0: I'm going to start by saying something which you probably wouldn't normally hear somebody saying to start a sermon. I was in a gay bar in, uh, in Northern California. You can see you're looking at me like, where is he going with this? It's all good. Um, and uh, I was there just specifically to be able to love people and let them know uh, the love of Christ and... Uh, Everything, everything in there was sexualized. I mean, the the drinks all had sexual names. The music was sexual. I mean, for it to be, it could have just been a gay bar and been a normal bar, I guess. But this was like seriously gay bar. If that's a way. It was very sexualized. And uh, I remember standing next to this lady, and my heart just broke for her because. Rather than standing there with principles, I wanted to stand there with his presence and ask him what was going on and what was happening and how I can be a light, how I can be like Jesus. And I remember looking at her and my heart just breaking. And I said, Lord, what do you see? And he said, I see this girl who was abused by her dad at age six, then her uncle, then other family members. And she's she's just had sexual abuse her whole life. She's broken. She's in pieces. And so, of course, that that breaks your heart. And, I, and so I had to say to her and I had to shout it because we were in a, it's a lot of music. I was like, excuse me, I'm a Christian. She's like, all right, yeah, what are you doing here then? I wanted to tell you something. And uh, I said, I believe God's saying this. And I got a bit closer to it. A lot of perfume and big earrings got to her ear and said I believe that you were a victim of sexual abuse from the age of six that you've had this happen and this happened a whole bunch of stuff and then when I sort of pulled my head away she was just in floods of tears and she said just pray for me just pray for me and she put her hands out and put my arms around her and just invited the Holy Spirit to come and have his way sometimes we can be so full of principles and well this is how we do it this is how we do it i remember driving along i was with nick at the time and there was a guy holding up a sign saying flags go to hell and i thought i guess he's got some scriptural context for this but breaks my heart that he would think that that's going to somehow save someone so we stopped do you remember and we were like hey what are you doing and he was like well i just became a christian like last week and i saw other people doing this so i figured this would be the way to attract them If you stop and have a conversation with people, you sometimes realize you can have all these principles, but if you're not operating out of a place of his presence, then you're operating out of nothing. There's one time Nick and I were ministering in Glasgow, and I don't know if Nick even knows this story. Do you remember Ruth? Well, one time we were there, and uh, I I would not like to spend time outside of worship, not worshipping. So yes, we were there to lead worship and speak, but we would just gather outside of it and just worship together. And we were in a room, probably no bigger than this, I don't know if you remember, there was four of us in there, and I said, let's just just worship. And we were just just lying on the floor, just giving Him glory, just thanking Him for His goodness and His greatness. She snuck in the back, this girl, Ruth. And it wasn't until afterwards that she sent me this long email, saying how she'd been trying to kill herself, she'd had all these issues, this, that and the other. And nothing had helped. And she came into that room, snuck in whilst we were worshipping and encountered God in such a way that she never had an issue ever again. She's now happily married with kids. Do you remember? this Yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, it's very easy for me, being in a, you know, a foreign land in, in America, to see things differently anyway, but out there they don't pay their servers very well. Right? They pay them like a couple of dollars and everything is tips based. So I'm, I'm just sharing a few testimonies to get you started. So I'm there, and if I have to dart out, it's because I need the loot. Uh, uh, or I've forgotten what to say. Um, I was in this place called O'Charlie's, which is a restaurant there. And uh, we had family in town, Emma, do you remember? And uh, the guy was serving us, and it just took forever. It was awful. And then by the time he brought in my food, which was wrong, he didn't bring the mayonnaise. He must have mayonnaise with those fries in. And... Anyway he comes in and his hands are smelling the cigarette smoke and I'm like, well I know exactly where you've been you haven't been serving me because you've been out there smoking a cigarette like, there's just all this bad attitude rushing through my head and he finishes up and everything and I'm thinking oh, I've got a tip for you sunshine you know, I have got quite a bad attitude and <clears throat> whenever you're not going to tip very much you need to leave pretty quickly, I'll just tell you that um, so I, <clears throat> the rest of them had left and, and I'm just struggling with my bad attitude and I'm like, Lord, what do you see? Because what I'm seeing is of the flesh. I want to know what you see. And he said, well, this guy, they tried to kill him when he was being born. They tried to abort him. And I'm like, right. Okay, so he comes over. I said, can I have a word with you? And he was like, was there a problem? I said, well, (laughs) what I want to talk to you is this. Um, You weren't supposed to be born. And he just, he said, I've got goosebumps all over me. Say that again. I said, you weren't supposed to be born. And then his eyes welled up. And I said, what's more is your whole life has been a struggle ever since that. He you've been into drugs, you've been into this, into that. And said, you've just come to a point now where your life is starting to turn around. This job is part of that turnaround in your life. Um, and actually, you're now gonna be somebody who helps others who've been addicted to drugs. And he's just kind of got his tear going. He said, How do you know this stuff? And I said, Because I'm a Christian and because God knows you and he loves you and he wants you to know this stuff. He said, I've just actually started to go to a church. He said, I'm gonna play bass in the, in the praise team. I'm like, this is awesome. But I could have easily just stayed in the flesh and seen things how the rest of the world see things, and been annoyed at his cigarette smelling hands instead of having compassion and love and operating from a place of presence. You know, when Jesus met with the woman at the well, and they're having their conversation, the Samaritan woman, who he shouldn't really even be speaking to. Some of, you, some of you may have heard it taught that when he says, no, you know, go and get your husband. Oh, you know, I don't have a husband. Yes, you said that right. You ha- you have, you've had five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. Some people might think, well, he's just calling out her sin, he's convicting her. No. You see, every time I read something that, that Jesus is doing, I read redemption. I read, a, I read a story that brings life and redemption and restores so when I see that, I see, I see a man who should not be associating with her, and should definitely not be associating with her, because she's been rejected by five men. She doesn't get to divorce them. They get to divorce her. And the ones with her now won't even put a ring on the finger because he doesn't love her. So when Jesus is coming, the Messiah is going, I've come to you, and I'll give you what you need. And, I've, and I can see everything in you, and I'll give you what you need. It reminds me... I was in a, in a in a meeting and I had a prophetic word for someone. You were with me. I'm not sure if I told you the ins and outs because it was a bit scary. Um, and I had the prophetic word for this person and he comes up to me at the end. He said, I need to tell you. I shot my best friend in the head. And I was like, well, with all the prophetic things, I certainly wasn't expecting that outcome from this conversation. He said, well, you already knew, didn't you? I said, no. No, I didn't already. know. I think that's a, that's a big presumption there that I know a few things that the Lord's revealed. He said, and also... I'm dating this girl who's underage. I've got these photos on my phone that I shouldn't have. And he just, in the presence of God, not the presence of me, but he saw something of Jesus. He wanted to just get it out and be healed and be restored and not have this going on. He, he did actually go to prison. Um, and another guy, Johnny, one time, I had a word for him. He said, you've got to stop, Rex. I was like, why? He said, because I've done this and I've done this. And he just started his eyes out. And I'm like, you know what? There's absolute forgiveness. And you don't need to tell me what you've done wrong. But there was a conviction in his heart another church I was at actually Simon Ruth um, you may have been there friends of mine um, and uh, I had this word that this woman had 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 an abortion and um, that it hadn't really been dealt with she's an odd one I've only had it ever twice and so I said to this lady um, I feel like the Lord said you had an abortion and she said yeah I, it was before I was Christian don't really bother me I said okay Um, she never really, you know, dealt with that in any way whatsoever. She said, "No, it doesn't bother me." I said, "Well, look, I know this might sound odd, but could we thank the Lord for the baby boy that He gave you?" She said, "Sure, whatever." I said, "Is it all right if you start?" And I really, I was just trying to listen to the Lord, and I didn't know what was going to happen. And she went, "Thank you, Lord." And then she just bawled and bawled and bawled and bawled and bawled. And I put my arms around her and she maybe cried for 10 minutes. Because there was her and pain and all this stuff that she'd never dealt with, she'd never let out. There was another church. Do you remember when we were ministering with the Crusaders tour? And that was the other time that I had one for the, lady with the abortion. I don't remember my words exactly, but felt like there was somebody there who had never told anyone <clears throat> about it. And they'd actually been eating her up and this and the other. And she came up to me. I remember the guy who was leaving the place mocked me and said, oh, I bet you didn't get anyone for that one or something. And I discreetly said, well, yes, I did. And hopefully the Lord's doing some work in her life. But I got a letter from her. She came up to me at the, at the end of the service and said, it was me. You had that word for, it was me. Um, I had an abortion. I've never told my husband. <coughs> and um, I feel like our marriage is falling apart. He doesn't come to church. My kids don't want to be involved in churches, that and the other. And we just prayed together and, And then about a month two months could be three months later she sent me a long email saying how she went home she told her husband and somehow it it reconciled their marriage they got closer than they'd ever been before he actually said he wanted to start coming to church and she said now me my husband my whole family have gone to counseling uh, Christian counselling, and we all now uh, go to church. We, we belong to Hillsong in London. I was like, Isn't that amazing how God does these beautiful things? Um, <coughs> uh, what's this? Oh, these are my notes. I should use them. Um, <laughs> you think I'm joking. I've just, no- just noticed them here. This is because I'm not particularly well. Uh, sometimes we, we, and again, I'm going to talk a little bit about flesh, we sometimes. Um, we don't realize that we're living in the flesh. We don't realize that actually the way that we see the world is being impacted far more by the fleshly rather than the heavenly. We need to understand that we're seated in heavenly places, that we're co-heirs, that we have an authority to call kingdom of the he- heaven to earth. And all too often it gets sort of a hazy. Let me let me give you an example. So we can have this 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 sense that. Um, God will, God will break through financially. Have any of you ever had a financial difficulty? I just wanted to see if anyone's listening, because all hands who are listening will put their hand up. If anybody's had a financial difficulty, yes. And then if you had something happen where you know that God has, has rescued you from that situation, you go, yes, and then you go back to that situation again, maybe a year later you have another financial difficulty, and, and, and sometimes it ends in a bit of a cycle. But I find that in our culture, especially maybe in America, You'll contend if you're having a financial difficulty, but there is always a credit card. There is always something. We live in in a in a culture where there is, you know, we're contending. Well, how much are you contending? Even the homeless have it pretty good compared to some other countries. Do you see what I mean? It's we just have this 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 crutch that we can lean on. So we don't really contend. We don't really have a faith that is pure. We have a faith that is kind of watered down because there's a backup plan. I remember on one occasion when the church couldn't afford to pay us, and. uh <laughs> We, uh, Emma was due to go out with a friend shopping. Do you remember this with Trish? You're out shopping and you were like, Uh, they, we haven't been paid. And I was like, Yes, I can see that. I was like, Well, we've got about 100 left or 200 left. Um, and I don't really want you know Trish to pay for lunch and everything, so um, maybe just you know make sure you get lunch and we'll just we'll just work it out kind of off you go, we'll see what happens. And then I felt the Lord say, well, you're kind of relying on the fact that you've got this 200. You should probably give it away. Uh, so I did. So I texted Emma and said, is it all right if I give this away? Do you remember? Yeah, good. Because I did. Um, and uh, she says, yeah, that's fine. But what are we going to do for money? I said, well, yeah, that's the other part of it. We, you know, we don't need to trust in money. We, we, got, we got God." So gave the money to the church. And uh, then the Lord said, go and check your mailbox. Okay, you actually have to walk to your mailbox in America. Um, walk to the mailbox, opened it up, and sure enough, I think it was 4000 on that occasion that was in our mailbox. Then I was like, hey, Em, you can actually enjoy your shopping now. Don't spend it all, but there was 4000 in the mailbox. Um, instead of just relying on that money and what we had and going, well, I'm just going to use that, I thought, well, I don't even want something that can get in the way of my faith. Let's get rid of it. I don't want to have a dependency on finances. Um, so the Western culture affords every kind of opportunity and distraction Um, Jesus didn't say I only do what I see the scriptures saying, he said I only do what I see the father doing all too often we live from a place of, we know the word of God, but do we know and live from his presence this is what I'm saying to you, I'm saying it in a very jumbled way, I normally teach far more dynamically but as I say not feeling 100% Um, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. His will matters more to me than food. Is that the same for you? You know, sometimes we have, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. This is my plan for life. I don't want any plan outside of his plan. I don't want to go anywhere outside of where he wants me to go. I remember standing in a church in Cookville, Tennessee, and having a bunch of prophetic words, and this guy comes up to me at the end, maybe 70 years old. And he just burst into tears. He said, I've been in church my whole life. In fact, my son is the pastor of this church and I've never seen Jesus before. He said, but I saw him tonight when I looked at you. And of course, that set me off. And uh, he then said to me, you know, if there's anything that you want, you just tell me. Did you know that he was in the process of buying his 12th gold mine, that guy, yeah. If there's anything you want, just tell me. If there's anything you need, I've got it covered. And the Lord quickly said, Never ask Him for anything. The Lord does that, doesn't He? So, I didn't even set a timer. So, how long do I have? Have I finished? No. How long do I have? (laughs) Um. Okay. (laughs) Fascinating. Continue. Amen. Okay. Um, For me, I think part of this whole process of walking in the prophetic and and moving in these things, of trying to live from a place of his presence rather than principles. Principles, fine, we can have them as something to lean on. But really, I don't want to just be like, well, the Lord says this, so I'll do it. And I remember, it's just in Acts, maybe 16, where they proposed that they would go to a certain place and the Lord said, no. So they didn't go. And it was... um, (coughs) Macedonia was it that they then were going to go to? Um, it's all in my notes, but I'm just in there. Um, and it was then I just went, yes, yes, go there. But of course, the Lord had said, "I want you to go to the whole world to preach the gospel." So we could have just lived in principle; or they could have and just gone, "Oh, well, we're just going to go because that's what He said." That's his principle is that we've got to go and do it. Well, no, no, no. Listen to His voice. Listen to his voice. He wants you to listen to his voice, not have a bunch of principles. They searched the scriptures as they thought in them they'd find eternal life. But you're standing right in front of them. I don't want to be one of those people that just constantly pause through scriptures without having... Listen, if you study the Bible and you don't have a deeper encounter with Christ, then all you've done is become more religious and come up with a better doctrine to have an argument. Every time you read the Bible, every time there is a teaching, every time there is worship, you should be increasingly becoming more intimate with the Father. That's my opinion. I, I proposed that I would never teach outside of intimacy and passion with him. That if I didn't have intimacy and passion, then I wouldn't get up and talk, ever. Um, <clears throat> and it's proven good. On one occasion, I remember getting up and saying to a church of 300, I have nothing to say to you, which was awkward, really awkward, for about <laughs> two or three minutes. Were you there on that occasion? that you were laughing. I thought maybe you were. Um, but fortunately, after two or three minutes, the Lord gave me a bunch of stuff, um, and I think one of them was, I described this guy's tattoo, and said, you're in this church because you, your mum's brought you along, you don't even want to be in here, um, but God knows you, and he knows the tattoo on your back that, that you've had hidden because you didn't even want your mum to know, and he came up and gave his life to Christ. I didn't even remember the story until the lady came up and told me who was his mother, she said, and he still goes to the church. I oh, just, these stories, I find them fascinating. You sort of live them and you don't, you don't even realise the impact that you can have on somebody's life. And then years later they get in, get in touch with you and say, this is, hey, this is what's happened. Uh, well, What was I talking about? About living from that place. Um, it comes from a place of worship. There, <clears throat> all things were created for his glory. Yes. And he holds all things together. Amen. So his presence is there, but it's not as manifest. We also know that he inhabits the praises of his people. So then we have this uh, another dynamic of his presence being more manifest. And you have being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, This is another manifestation of his presence. Now, when we sing like we magnify the Lord, when we give him praise, when we give him worship, effectively what we are doing when we put our attention on him instead of us and the world around us is what we do is we take a magnifying glass. And if you've ever taken a magnifying glass to burn a creature or perhaps uh, a leaf, You hold it to the sun and the sun stayed the same and yet you were magnifying. And every situation and circumstance that I've ever been in, if I just give him the praise and worship that he is due, it somehow transforms the situation I'm in because my attention is now on him and his goodness. Things just look different and things start to change. That's the nature of God. I'm never more truly me than when I'm worshipping him, because that's what I was designed to do. So in that place of giving him that worship and adoration, you cannot help but experience a manifestation of his presence. And some people will say, well, you know, what's this talk of more? You know, they say, you know, how can there be more Holy Spirit? Surely there was the infilling of the Holy Spirit and that was it. And I just think, well, of the measure of increase of his, um, sorry, government and peace, there is no end that we go from glory to glory, uh, that there is an abundance for every good work. I just think of many many of these phrases that are beyond earthly comprehension because we have limits, that he just goes on and on and on. And when it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we know that in Acts 2 they're filled with the Holy Spirit. We also know that in Acts 4, after Peter has a bit of a rough time and gets put in prison for sharing the gospel. In fact, imagine this for a second. We have this gentleman who... Goes out, preaches the gospel. He sees this guy who's lame, been lame for 40 years. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. And he picks him up and says, Get up and walk. Absolutely amazing. Anybody at the church, and then he gets persecuted, by the way, he gets put in prison for it, and then he gets released. Anybody else, they'd be writing a book about it, and they'd be making money. They'd be turning up to a church as a guest speaker. Look, look what he just did. Everyone's talking about it. He just Thousands giving their lives to Christ. He's the, he's the go-to man. Let's all base everything around him. And instead, what Peter's heart is to do is, oh, I've got to get to a prayer meeting and ask for more. I've got to get to a prayer meeting and seek for more. Let's read it. Let's read it. There's power in the, the word. It's going to be Acts 4 towards the end, probably 26. Ah... Oh. <clears throat> This should be our prayer. Okay, 27, your Holy Servant, 28, 29. Now, Lord, this is 29. Now, Lord, Acts 4 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your Holy Servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. He was doing that after seeing this lame guy, like, suddenly being able to walk, preaching the gospel to all these people, having a platform to preach it, getting put in prison. And then he says, gosh, that's not enough. How many of us are praying that? I haven't seen this stuff. I have seen a lame guy. I saw this guy crippled all through his legs. Um, He came up to me and said, will you pray for me? And I thought to myself, I really... I don't know that I have the capacity I know that sounds a bit odd because in principle we know it but I'm like Lord I know you can do this but will you do this will you use me anyway I said yes Lord and I prayed for him and he got up and walked he'd been lame his whole life he had these twiddly little legs um, and he started to run around and um, play football And it's the only time that it's legitimate to get in their wheelchair by the way you can't just get in somebody's wheelchair and wheel it around it's disrespectful but if you've just seen them healed, it's perfectly acceptable. So if you want to play in somebody's wheelchair, pray for them to be healed. And then you can play in their wheelchair. It's a good word. Um, <clears throat> but Peter, having just done this, we know that he was filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, and now he gets filled again. And that's why we get told that we, we shouldn't be drunk on wine, but, but be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So are we being continually filled? Sometimes I, th- I wonder if I've ever been filled. What did he say? Because I see the extraordinary and I hunger for more. Yeah. It's not to say that I don't have it. I'm not being fed. It's not like I'm thirsting again because I'm still drinking. I just want more of it. I want more. I want more. I want more. I've not seen enough. I remember talking with um, some of the youth that I pastor. And, and I was just like, I want them to grasp the, the nearness and the realness of you, God. Give me, give me something to demonstrate that power. And the Lord gave me the, the pin number and the birthday of one of the girls in the group. I said, um, what does this number mean to you? It was like 1941. They were like, that's the code for my phone. How did you know that? I said, more than that. Were you there at the time? No, oh, you're chuckling as if you were. And then I said, uh, and your birthday was like 23rd of August. What's happening? I said, you had a transformational moment in worship that you started to forget. You started to lose that passion that you had. And you know you, you're starting to lose it because you haven't gone back. I said, yes, I want more. And maybe maybe this will speak to some of you in here today maybe you're hungry and thirsty for more maybe there's a passion inside of you that as i've spoken you've gone oh yeah this is up for grabs you know there is no such thing as a closed heaven it's an open heaven it's just we we close it here with our thinking with our boxed in thinking with our restricted way of seeing the world